Hello and welcome to We the Voters. I'm your host, Francine Dash. This podcast talks about the issues that matter most to voters. It always has and it always will. We speak to everyday people, people living their lives, paying their bills, taking care of themselves and their families, and we simply ask them one question. What issues affect your life and which of those issues matter most to you? Today we talk to Blake Houghton of Boone County, Indiana. We learn about his life, we learn about the issues that matter most to him, and we learn about what he wants elected officials to do about them. Take a listen. Well, I am a lifelong Hoosier. I was born in uh, Indianapolis and we live in Boone County, which is just 45 minutes north on I-65. And I, I spent a lot of time in my youth pursuing uh, acting and singing, but uh, I eventually when I went into school, I went into the physical sciences. So I have a bachelor of arts degree in the focus in chemistry. It's, it's actually, uh, it's two pronged because part of it does come from, you know, like there was always focus from my parents to say, you need to make sure that you have uh, knowledge that's going to give you a stable career in the future. That was part of it, obviously. Um, but I have always seen that uh, like science and creativity aren't actually that far apart. We like to separate them into uh like a logical category and an enjoyment category, but they actually blend together very frequently, I think. So currently I am working in uh, quality assurance right now. Uh, So I very much like a blue collar style work, uh, regular 40 hour work week. And I have a, a team of people and we just make sure that the food that our company produces is up to standards with the USDA and that we're hopefully not going to make anybody sick. (laughs) I went to Franklin College. That is actually where I met uh, Josh at. Josh, or Joshua Hyde, is the host of our podcast, Recap. I can honestly say that things that have stuck with me is I I still lean heavily to the left skew, I, I think, in most things. I can understand conservative policy from a financial standpoint most of the time, but I don't subscribe to it. I think that when you lift people up, they provide better for the collective than it would be if you just leave them behind and try to push yourself up. Uh, that, that's been something that's stuck with me since I got into uh, philosophy in uh, early high school. Very, very much treat others the way that they that you wish to be treated, I think. So I can say that my home was definitely closer to my current political beliefs, but the area that I lived in is still very, very deeply conservative. And it it was at points uh, a little bit of a struggle between understandings. I, I have a much easier time now dealing with that than I did at the time. It was... Uh, communication, I think, is just very, very difficult when you don't have the right tools. And that leads to a lot of very forced and not presently helpful conversation. I wouldn't really say that I had a large amount of difficulties. It's just more of like expression. Um, And I can, this relates a little bit into one that 
a political belief I came into later on, which is like my communities that I was in throughout most of my life were very, very heavily white. And I didn't know about any of the, the issues that other people were dealing with outside of the culture that I was stuck in. And since now that we have the internet and I have uh, broadened my horizons quite a bit since then, uh, <laughs> I, I can see problems that other people are facing and arrive at my own conclusions that something is happening to them that I think is unfair and that it's systemic and it has been set up in that way and is being maintained in that way. So I think that is effectively what I was saying. It, it comes about more or less that it, it's, if there is an in-group or an out-group situation, it's just that there are certain people that don't fit all of the core values that the community wanted and they are just ostracized. They're not forgotten, but they aren't uh, treated in exactly the same regard. So it, it was more of, I view it a little bit more of authoritarian, I guess, um, like treat authority with respect uh, or consistently, this is a very weird political opinion of mine, but like if somebody is performing a service and they're being paid for it, I find it strange sometimes that people require thanks for that. That's just me. I don't really know. I 100% feel if people want to call me out on that, that is understandable. <laughs> Blake has then asked about the issues that have really dominated his view of things currently. And this is what he has to say. So most specifically, I can say for sure it is uh, the police shootings that have happened within the last few years. Uh, I don't think that's a, a big stretch for anybody. It's just that uh, between that and between uh, school shootings and similar like violence against inherently put against groups that can't respond to it is something that pushed me forward into this. Like, I, I just, I can never understand how, even if they have the uh, authority of the government behind them, how you could try to use the law, the arm of the law to suppress people or to actually hurt them when they have done nothing wrong. Because several, several of the cases of shootings in the last few years involve people who uh, just didn't immediately respond to an order from a police officer. Like some of the times the officers weren't even called into the scene. They just assumed something was going wrong. Involving some of the cases where uh, people are in their own yards <laughs> or they are just walking down the street and they have a cell phone. You know, the that's what drew me into it and i'm i try to monitor things uh to keep a pulse on the community around me now using the internet mostly but it's still hard because i am again still insulated in the area i live in for right now where it's still distant from those things i just don't want to be anymore i guess is the point <laughs> so i really do enjoy following the scientific method of things. I'm going to uh, lay out a hypothesis. I'm going to give you evidence to support my hypothesis. And then uh, experimentation is a little bit difficult in that, given that most of this has already been done. 
but uh, I'm trying to get people to arrive at the conclusion most of the time on their own. I don't like trying to force them to do things because I have more than frequently found out that it's more like they've internalized some of these things, like they have made these issues part of their identity and they're not open to change. And that is odd to me. The, the world that we live in is constantly, constantly changing. It is never meant to be static. So to remain the same for an extended period of time, I think is just a little, a little crazy, honestly. <laughs> I like I like routine. Routine's nice, but it's it's not always going to be exactly the same every day. And like that's the thing I think people struggle to accept is change comes in small doses most of the time. But if there are enough small doses, it it wigs them out, and they don't want to engage anymore, and they just want to be in their own sphere. So I am. Uh, pro in the movement i like i am for moving police funding out from heavy armaments and if they're not going to divert it to also addressing social issues which 80 percent of the issues that the police are called for do not require any violence inherent in it there there's no need for a weapon there they just need somebody to talk to them most of the time or they, if you don't know what to do, most of the time, the community that I live in uh, told, taught me when I was young to just call the police and see if they can help you. And they are not, and they probably never will be, even if they got a massive rise in funding of themselves, be prepared to deal with all of those problems. Uh, I think that if they want to keep the police as it exists now, people need to live in the community that they're going to be policing. It's it's different when you live there and you know the people and you know what people are doing may not necessarily be motivated to harm people. It makes it a little bit more open and accepting of a community. So I think highlighting points, there should be social workers available to help people uh, mental health professionals involved in the police force. And uh, this is the more controversial one. I think that we should be vetting some of the people that try to join the police more carefully. I do think it's controversial because most of the time when I bring it up to people who live here around me, they it's very pro-police environment. Like uh, Back the Blue is pretty pretty strong where I live. and. This is a very difficult conversation because then they say uh, the police exist to help you. When I have that conversation with other people around here, that is the response that I get. It becomes controversial because I've suggested the same way that they should be vetted. Uh, I don't, it's like uh, hero worship, I think a little bit involved in that. So I, I really see that this is still very heavily rooted towards uh, systemic oppression. So we need to be looking towards people that have specifically more aggressive tendencies towards minority people. And on top of that, we also need to make sure that if, a, if you want 
to have somebody legally have a firearm to de-escalate situations or to remove potential threats, I, I want to make sure that they are actually responsible with that firearm. The, the amount of training that they go through to uh, utilize them properly is not high enough. And most places I know don't even have the tools to provide that training. It, it's just very hard to find. And that, that might be just very American centric in general because of the second amendment. Uh. So what happened to George Floyd is a deeply, deeply sad thing. And I wanna preface that I wish it never would have happened. Uh, the good that comes out of it is going to hopefully outweigh the damage that it has done. But uh, I, if there was to be a police force responding in the same way, they would have at, at worst, instead of shooting him, uh, given him a minor fee, a ticket, So that never should have escalated to the point where they had hands on him to begin with, because there there was nothing to lead up to that point of escalation. And even then, I still find that when you have, even if you have somebody in custody, if they are uncomfortable enough that they're telling you that they can't breathe multiple times while they're in your custody, I think that you're doing your job wrong. And because if the idea behind the police is to protect and serve, and that also means, strangely, I don't think that they see it this way, that you are also serving the people that you are arresting. So you still have a duty to protect the people that you are taking in for committing crimes. So for starters, when they approach the situation, they start when in a defund the police model, they start as though you are familiar and you're just trying to have a conversation with them. Like you said, they nothing has been proven that they have done anything wrong that you need to take them in for to begin with. You are just here to make sure the community is safe and view the situation. So it starts with a conversation. If things escalate from there, you should have they, the police should have the training to hopefully de-escalate it to a point where they can return to stage one and they can continue that conversation peacefully. Or they need to have proper training if things escalate to a point that they can't deal with, that they prefer to utilize non-lethal capabilities and non-hurtful capabilities to apprehend people that have done things wrong. And it... They could actually, strangely enough, I feel like they could learn a lot of lessons from the army because the army has to go through a long list of diffusion situations before they are ever even able to aim a gun at a person and fire. If they, again, I, I'm still very, very much a fan of the model of uh, community policing, not the community itself, but people who live in the community are the police force instead of there. It's there's a large number of people that I know that uh, drive around police vehicles. They live somewhere very far removed from where they do their job, which means they have uh, very little 
actual social connection to the place that they're doing their job in. And I think that removes an important step. That is my most important aspect there because that is a huge de-escalation tactic to me is, hey, that's just Jim over there. I know he's just being a little loud. I will help fix that problem as opposed to, sir, I'm going to need you to be quiet. There's two very different tacks there. And one of them leads you towards that aggressive place. Uh, so first and foremost, I definitely want people who live in the communities to be doing that and getting elected officials to listen to those things, I think is just a little difficult. Some of the time they, uh, the, just the, the narrative behind defund the police to a politician, especially in Indiana is just like way over their heads and very difficult because they don't want to be anti-police and that that's what it would seem like to them. It's not, but the political narrative most of the time is that they're adversarial and they cannot coexist. So it's, it's finding a, a balance that's good enough that is going to hopefully lower the hostility enough that we can move forward in the future because I think this, this is probably going to be one of the great challenges of my generation's lifetime is fixing this problem. I don't, I would love if we could change it in the next like five to 10 years, but I know it's probably going to take so much longer than that and so much more work. Uh, I am absolutely willing to put my money where my mouth is and put my campaign donations towards people that would make these ideals happen. I will, I would go out and I would racketeer with them on the streets for getting people to vote for them. And I very, very much need the world to change. I think that it needs, it needs to move forward and not be stuck in the nostalgia period for the past. Blake, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your voice in such an authentic way. Thank you so much for having me, Francine. I've had a wonderful time. With that, I'd also like to thank our sponsor, Eliac Productions, for their continued support of what we do. To our listeners, we thank you. Continue to follow us on our social media pages on Instagram and on Facebook and on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to connect with us on our website at pointcast.news. Thank you so much to all of our listeners. All the best.